the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, we might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. (laughs) Oh, Phil Heath. Oh, stop. Is it hot in here or is it just me? (laughs) Welcome back to the show, everyone. We've got beautiful Dean McKillop over here. I am beautiful. (laughs) You are beautiful. Beautiful Lizzie, obviously, um, and the hard to look at Ella Martin. (laughs) Welcome to the show. (laughs) Ella, thank you. Former Flex Success client under Coach Dean for a female comp prep. Mm. Ella is also an excellent uh, online health and fitness coach, mainly focusing on women. Is that right, Ella? Correct. Yep. Ella Martin Fitness. So, uh, given Ella, and yes, and recent WBFF. Ah, of course. Pro. Yeah, WBFF Fitness Pro. Is that the title? That's right. That's right. right. Love it. <laughs> I always get tongue-tied on WBFF. Mm. You know, yeah. There's It is a long acronym. Only one more letter than ICN or. Yeah. A and B. Um, that one so given Ella you were a comp prep client of Flex Success we want to dive into comp prep today is that right yeah let's do it cool now do you want to do you want to give yourself more of an introduction oh what you do why you do it where you do what I do and why okay (laughs) so I do uh online coaching I predominantly work with uh females um, a portion of my business is comp prep specifically for WBFF and then uh, just gen pop clients looking for lifestyle changes and fat loss results. Where do I do it? Uh, everywhere. I'm a traveling gypsy. I house sit. So wherever I may be house sitting around New South Wales is where I do it. Um, out of cafes or on a laptop. Um, why do I do it? I really just love uh, helping women and seeing them transition from this sort of fear and shell of themselves, you know, fear of food and fear of training to just transforming into this very strong, empowered female. It's, it's really good to see. And I work with a lot of women long-term and I've had so many clients that I've been working with for 12 plus months and just seeing that transition every month and then every year and then listening to their stories again, just, um, just drives me forward to keep doing what I'm doing. Love it. You know, I think that your um, logo on the website should be a caterpillar to a butterfly. I was just going to say, you sound like a butterfly creator because you're kind of like watching their wing fly. I like that. Beautiful women with all of these colors of the rainbow. Yeah, you need a mascot. You need I to- need that because I want to rebrand, so maybe I need to do that. Yeah, we need to take royalties though now. Because it was that. <laughs> Post this podcast next just to make sure everybody knows what it is. You heard it here, guys. Um, now, Ella. We wanted you, we were discussing, you know, female comp prep and you were thinking of giving the three misconceptions of a female comp prep. I mean, I know there could be many. So trying to narrow it down to just three was, uh, was, was challenging. Mm. Um, I guess we could probably start with one that's probably quite common for male and female clients. And Dean, I'm sure you're aware of this as well. When you onboard new, new prep clients and new flex clients, actually, is that you have to eat chicken, broccoli, barramundi, cold fish, seven meals a day for the duration of your prep. Um, and that's something I hear a lot when I do take on clients like, oh, is this what I need to do? And it's like, ah, no, there's a better way. So that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions that I hear a lot. That food has to be boring. <laughs> boring and the same every day for 20 weeks. I think I would shoot myself. Yeah, that's madness. I think you're being far too nice there and suggesting that people can even eat barramundi. It's not bad. Yeah, only like seven dollar shit water raised bassa. I have You're been right. to Thailand, Vietnam, and seen the fish farms there, and mm. it is disgusting. Those mm. poor animals. It is literally fish on top of fish. They can barely yeah. swim. Yeah, they they can't. No, I don't know how they even even breathe under them. It's horrible. Oh, wow. Like eating water. It's like mushy water. Mm. Mushy, fleshy water. Yeah, that's pretty gross. Yes. So uh, I'm not a comp prep coach, which is, I think, Ella, why you were directing that at Dean, because he does comp prep. I do not. 
Um, but unfortunately, I have a similar experience with gen pop clients for listeners standing for general population clients, clients that are not athletes, but after improvements outside of competition, um, who have gone to coaches in the past and they've put them on a diet that looks like a comp prep diet, that looks like fish and spinach or chicken and broccoli, and that's all they can eat because obviously carbs and foods that taste good uh, make you fat, <laughs> quote unquote. <All> right. <laughs> not um, so I, I would have to say that even though it seems to be the case most of the time for comp prep. Unfortunately, it spills over to comp prep too. Mm. Sorry, to gen pop yeah. as well. Ella, did you ever have a did you ever do a comp prep on the the basic pitch food approach? Hell no. Always flexible dieting. You are so lucky. You got in when the world was progressing. I know. What about your entry into training then? Was that like initially into that typical bro approach? Uh, not really. I was quite fortunate in that regard as well, that the, um, the gym that I started out properly training in, in Sydney was, um, very much, uh, strength based, hypertrophy based and not the general bro splits either. It was, I was actually very fortunate in the route and direction I got into the fitness industry. So no. Well, <laughs> lucky you. You are super lucky. I know. I know. Now, Ella, explain to us, because you said you've always done it in a flexible dieting approach. I think most of us will be aware of what that is. Some people might think they know, but maybe it's a misguided understanding. So do you want to break it down for our listeners and what you mean by flexible dieting? Yeah, I guess they've probably heard of the acronym. <laughs> Remind me. I-F-Y-M. So if it fits your macros. Um, it's probably a little bit more than that. Um, flexible dieting just means that you don't just track your calories. You break that down one level and you look at what your calories are made up of. So your protein, your carbs, and your fats. Um, there'll be some things that you will need to uh, eat throughout the day that will make sure that you're eating adequate protein and adequate micronutrients in the form of fruit and vegetables. But otherwise, you can actually eat foods that fits your macro requirements um, that make your soul feel good that you enjoy eating. And that can be anything from rice and pasta to lollies and ice cream. As long as at the end of the day, you're eating enough uh, protein, micronutrients and um, fats and carbs that are your daily targets um, for whatever goals that you're trying to achieve. Yeah. I love it. You guys say now outside of um, obviously the rigidity of your macro targets, macros for macronutrients for those playing at home. Uh, do you have any other like, rigid rules that you uh, engage in as a contest prep coach for your prep clients, even though you're obviously offering them a flexible approach? Is there some rigidity to the flexibility, if that makes sense? Um, yes and no. Obviously, trying to establish daily habits is better for long-term success. And the more people can get into the daily habits of hitting enough of their um, macro targets, is ideal. However, I thought, you know, life happens and you go under your fats or carbs or you go over your fats and carbs. You've got the flexibility to net that off by the end of the end of the week. You know, you look at your calories over the total week rather than the day to day. So there's some flexibility in that regard. Um, the rigidity side of things, you know, I really just ensure that all my clients are eating their protein target daily regardless like that's got to be the number one along with ensuring that they're getting um you know a minimum requirement of fruit and vegetables just to ensure that they're getting enough micronutrients into their diet as well which is something that i think most people really do lack um lack consuming what i love about you combining flexible dieting with a minimum fruit and vegetable target is that there is a focus on food quality there. Because where flexible dieting, or IIFYM, we can distinguish them in a moment, gets a bad rap, is that people confuse it for a junk food diet. Um, and mm. like anything, we can even think like religions, for example. People have particular interpretations that seem to be so extreme that it's the loudest voice, and people think, oh, well, that's what that religion or dieting strategy or whatever it is all about, and it's not. Yeah. Because if Ella, you were to give, let's say I was your client and you were to say, Lizzie, 2000 calories was where it's at, this much protein, this much carbs, this much fat. I could reach that by having protein shakes, starbursts, and drinking olive oil or whatever. Mm. Um, if I wanted to, and I would Lovely. get weight loss results, but I wouldn't be healthy. I wouldn't be uh, supporting my performance and my sleep and my health more generally. Um, and some people... <laughs> The flexible dieting is sometimes coined the Pop-Tart diet. Not mm. too 
sure where that came from, but people fit Pop-Tarts and just shitty quality foods to fit their macros. And they're like, what? But it fits my macros. But that's yeah. not really what it's all about for us as coaches. Um, and you've demonstrated that there by having a minimum fruit and vegetable target for your clients. There's some room for lollies, but we do want to focus mainly on the quality. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, you, um, obviously, our preference is to saying that Comprec is a little bit more rigid in the necessity for accuracy than mm -hmm. general life, because general life, we're talking about a goal over an extended period of time. Contest mm -hmm. prep, extreme physique done in a relatively short amount of time. Yeah. You, uh, are you a diet writer as a coach or are you a more of a like a guideline provider? When you say diet writer, are you talking about <laughs> No, do you write no... diets for your clients? Like Oh, so do you write the diet? I was like, are we talking about salt? Are we talking about cordial? <laughs> I hope everyone drinks diet right, Cordy. Uh, if you do drink cordial <laughs> listeners, you must go for the black currant flavour. It is certainly the best. And then green being the second best. Oh, agree. Black owner is delicious, but a green I'll take as my Okay. I don't do either. Just give me a Coke Zero and I'm happy. Yes. We have a Coke lady. You're now a two of seven. Yes. Back to the question, though. What was the question? <laughs> do you write diets for your clients or like how do we ensure accuracy? Because obviously we know with, with clients being given the opportunity to be flexible with their food, sometimes they can get a little bit neurotic in trying to fit absolutely everything they want in there or mm. trying to like eat a bunch of, uh, let's call them fake foods for now. Um, yeah. As much as they possibly can. Like do you, what kind of control do you take in a contest prep that you think makes the result uh, more advantageous for them as a client? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't write their diets um, for onboarding any new client for the first week. Generally speaking, I will write them a meal plan um, for a number of reasons, but the big one is I, they just can't seem to, get enough food into their diet to hit the allocated um, calories that I've done for them because it's way too much food mm. when the reality is it's actually not. It's just more protein and higher satiety foods. So I would meal plan for that to show them what they can eat, fit in all the foods that they would generally treat themselves with on the daily, but also showing them what um, the daily non-negotiables would look like. So then they've got a bit of a framework there that they can then prepare their own meal plan moving forward. Um, but for comp prep clients, I would, I use my fitness pal to track food. I would flick into their my fitness pal, and if I'm seeing some things in their tracking or their feedback that don't really add up, or we're not really seeing the rate of progress that we should be expected to see, or their hunger signals are like through the roof, and we're just you know trying to figure a few things out, I will look into their diet and see what they're tracking, and then probably highlight some things like the fake foods or a lot of protein shakes or protein bars or you know veggies have started to drop because we're trying to get in more nutella or whatever it might be and then just give them some suggestions to reduce some of that stuff by adding in a bit more of the stuff that we need um, that's more high satiety and reducing the fake foods and getting more you know real protein into their diet so i would look back at what they're tracking and then give them some suggestions from there yeah i find a lot of people in the back end of prep try and get rid of fruit <laughs> in preference for other carbs and like cereal I think people are like, they forget that there's not just one fruit, e.g. a banana, you know, like, you know, there are other fruits that you can consume. Like, even I have a client currently, he's like, look, I'll, I'll eat more fruit when I get more carbs. And I'm like, you've got 300 carbs. There's plenty of carbs. Right. So how it works, <laughs> how it works is we have our carbs and we know that fruit and vegetables are a carbohydrate. So what we do is we fill our fruit and vegetables first and whatever carbs are left over, yes. then you can choose lollies or rice or pasta or more fruit. Uh, mm. But it's not like if I have carbs left over, then I'll eat my fruit and veg. It's mm. that's flipping it on its head and that's not how it works. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I also think people just get stuck in their routine of their usual, their usual foods. Like I always have a banana in the morning. Like I always have that veg with dinner. And it's like, there are, there's so many other fruits out there. There's other fruits that are lower in carbohydrates that are more volume, like, you know, strawberries, for example, you can go and eat other foods that are out of your normal food library that are going to, you know, help you with your process yeah. in order to get contest you know, lean without having to need more carbs in order to get that fruit in. Yeah, it's just changing the habits, isn't it? Yeah. Speaking of different fruits, have you ever tried a custard apple? I can't say I have. Mm, they're weird. 
No, they're amazing. It tastes like if you got an apple and then added custard to it. <laughs> that's bullshit. No, that's what it tastes like. It's so horrible. But they, you know, like your banana, you don't want to eat the green one. You don't want to eat the brown one. There's like yeah. a point in time that the banana is good. The optimal banana, yeah. Yes, there's an optimal custard apple and it's kind of a um, avocado-y consistency. It's got to be like soft, but not too soft because then it goes flowery. Now, it, mm. just Google image it. It looks like a bag of dicks. It looks terrible. <laughs> but it tastes really good. And I would advise that you try one. I think they I might have to... Quite carbon. Yeah, they are quite carbon. From a percentage point of view, I believe they're up in the highs. They're, they're not, not, not as high as banana. banana. They're not at the banana level. Good old banana's coming a bad rap. We love banana. <laughs> you know, you know, they're just like that a banana is too. You, like you say there's an optimal banana, but there's an optimal banana for every situation. What do you mean? You know, like... A banana that you want to eat. When I said that, I thought of um, I know. the, the I Colombian um, comedian. Anyway, side shoot. Okay, go on. Um, there's a banana that you want to eat. That's a certain type of banana. Maybe a little bit of brown on the skin, relatively firm, not too much bite back. Then there's like the banana you want to freeze for banana bread. And that's the one that looks like, it looks like it's right. been outside for way too long. Someone's burnt it like it's charcoal. It's gooey, it's sticky. <laughs> it smells like it's gone a little bit too far. But that's your banana bread banana. That is your banana bread banana. I would agree. Yeah. Dean, the colorblind idiot over here, gets me to choose his bananas for him because he like isn't too sure if it's green or not because he's colorblind. <laughs> I'm red brown colorblind for years, and as a kid, I used to be like, "This is gonna look, this is gonna be delicious," and I pull it back and then I bite it like, "Fuck, it's green," but I would just not know. Disabled <sighs> eyes. Now, Ella, point one: the misconception was that you have to eat land boring food what was the second misconception oh there was a couple let's see hmm. i think that maintaining your contest uh body is achievable and realistic um because of what people see on social media with some of the um pros out there that are staying in incredibly good shape after a after a prep that you can maintain that level of leanness for a long period of time after you're shown but the reality is whatever you did to get there if you want to maintain that you have to still do all that and for a lot of people that's actually not maintainable long term mm. yeah and why is that well it's very selfish sports um having to compete everything has to be dialed in to the t you've got to put yourself first above everybody else in your training your steps your cardio your food has to be all controlled and consuming you don't really have a lot of freedom and flexibility to go out and be social um well you do but you would have to prepare all your food and take all that with you and that's just not really yeah. a life that most people want to live Mm. Yeah, if you've got the energy to socialise. <laughs> well, that's also a good, yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, so uh, one thing that with Flex Success, we have a mandatory four weeks of coaching after the competition is over. Because what we found with our Flex clients is that that is the time that they're most at risk to binge eat and to really go off track. And then it puts them into a cycle of binging restriction, binging restriction, which is a difficult yeah. to get out of. So when you're coming up to a competition, uh, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, not as a comp prep coach here, but as someone who, uh, you know, is involved in the business and has done a comp prep myself, when you know that you are getting on stage in five weeks time and everyone expects you to look your best and you're going to be there wearing pretty much absolutely nothing and you're going to be judged on your physique, that's some yeah. pretty, pretty strong incentives to stay on track. Mm. Absolutely. I'm judged on your flaws, mind you. Right, yes. You're as strong as your weakest link. Uh, and then once you get off stage, even with the best intentions, and you know, you, you want to keep that body, you have the intentions to stick to your diet, the incentive isn't there anymore. And you're extremely hungry. You're extremely tired. You've just gone through this traumatic experience. Um, and you can wear a T-shirt. So, so that might have a might be a contributing factor to people kind of spiraling out of control mm. off yeah, so what would be a, a better plan than that ella yeah I, I agree having that um post comp uh phase mapped out with the coach that you're working with and not just to see the show as the end because mm. that's really not the end the end is when you're back living your life normally sustainably and in a weight that's comfortable for you to maintain 
you know, after that show. So I think having post comp plan in place and then having goals after that as well, that aren't just physique based, like what else do you want to do with your life and fitness that you can then start to put your energy and focus on? Mm. Yeah. I, um, I feel like it's almost gone to, uh, sorry, not twofold's not the right terminology, but like it's almost flipped on its head recently with this post-comp phase. Like previously, like five years ago, everyone's like, comp's done, binge like a motherfucker, get fat, you know? Yeah. Then there's been this, then there was a phase where like Lane Norton came out and everyone's like, you've got to reverse super slowly because that's really good for metabolic health. And then we're like, yeah, actually that's not true. And now there seems to be both like a combo of either a fear of weight gain like which is weird like we haven't had that but then also the whole like the other people are just like let's just get fat as quick as possible um yeah. as always you know like the best practice lies somewhere in the middle but i just oh, had a conversation with a guy who was 90 kilos and eating 2300 calories post comp and was like uh but i'm doing really well i'm like yeah but you binge every weekend so mm. like how well are you I doing well you're not and really like, eating 2,300 calories. And I said, in the goal is weight gain post-comp. It's not weight retention, but that's what he was yeah. like. Three kilos up at 90 kilos. So like he'd moved yeah. up, not even like 5%, like 3%. Yeah. Like, I try and get people back 10% above stage weight within the first like couple of weeks, but just done in a controlled manner. Maybe let's yeah. outline why we do that. Uh, I do it essentially, well, not I, we in general, good coaches. Good coaches. Mm move weight back up relatively quickly in a controlled manner because it allows you to shut down all of the negative negative adaptations somewhat that you've experienced during contest prep. Namely in this post phase, the biggest thing you have is a really, 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 really high drive for highly palatable foods. Uh, your hunger is through the roof. Your satiety is super low. Your energy is low. Yeah, so eat, you eat, you get extreme reward, but you get no satisfaction. Uh, and the longer that you try and stay closer to contest preparation body fat levels, the longer that goes on, the harder it is to manage day-to-day -day life, the more likely you are to eventually binge. So there's also, you know, reduced um, reduced ability to recover. Mm -hmm. You're not going to have much energy, so your training is going to be out the window. You're probably going to be moodier. Your concentration is going to be low. Your immune system is going to be low. Mm -hmm. So all of those factors uh, are also contributing factors to why we want to reverse someone out of that extremely low body fat percentage yeah. to You're something more healthy. Yeah, you're also not going to grow muscle in mm. that severe of a deficit or that severe of a fat deficit as well in your body. So like, you need to get body fat back to a, a, an appreciable level in order mm. for your systems to then put muscle hypertrophy back up to the top of the, the preference range, let's say. Uh, whereas people think they're going to get hypermuscular post-comp because they fill all their energy stores back up and they look quite good for a moment in time. That's not real muscle until you really put a bit of fat back on and shut down all of those processes. So Yeah. Yeah. And then you can also go on holidays like Ella did and be a normal person without it being very difficult. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, what would your third misconception for a female comp prep or just a comp prep be? I think the third one, because it's quite a hot topic, is actually turning pro. And I, a lot of people now are wanting to compete because uh, it's, it's getting bigger and bigger every year. It doesn't seem to be slowing down at all. But this, um, I hear it a lot. I just want to get my pro card. I want to get my pro card. And I feel like that has just become the in terminology. Like, but what does that actually mean? I don't think people really grasp what turning pro means or what earning your pro card actually means. Like, mm. I think that's quite a big misconception right now. So you can do a show, you can win, you can turn pro. And then all of a sudden your life changes and you turn into this, Instagram famous person, you can give up your job and just make money working Instagram. <laughs> Isn't that what you do? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ella, tell us what it really means. It means that your, your physique is at a standard or a level um, that you can go and compete on a stage, you know, around the world at a, at a professional standard. You're a professional athlete. Um, I think people assume that a turning turning pro just means that you're now social media famous, which really isn't what it's about at all, um, or that it's really easy to obtain, which again, it's really not at all. It took me three years and number of competitions to turn pro. Um, yeah. And that's having already won before too in the same uh, federation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I did win. I was very upset at the time that I didn't earn my, my pro card, but the reality was my physique wasn't up to scratch and probably I wasn't actually in the right uh, headspace or point of my 
you know, coaching career or athletic career to actually be a professional athlete in, in the WBFF. So yeah, it took me three years after winning to come and do a number of other shows, didn't win, uh, probably placed top five, I think, in them, um, to then come back and eventually win and turn pro in July this year, um, where I feel like my physique was of a pro standard. Still need some work to go and compete with the big girls on the big stage, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's almost like people have skipped the I want to win part. Mm, yeah, mostly, yeah. Like, most of the time I get inquiries are like, goal, like turn pro. What do you mean? Like, Dude, you're 75 you kilos. I, I even have, <laughs> I've even heard of someone saying, oh, yeah, I want to win a super heavyweight. And I'm like, you're currently a middleweight. Like, that's <laughs> a new weight categories. But we need to focus on winning that one first, you know. Yeah. People are trying yeah. to jump. I, I appreciate having, um, like, long-form goals and, like, having the sort of the ideal pinnacle that you want to achieve. But, like, you still need to be, rea uh, uh, you still need to have a bit of a reality check and re be realistic with your goals. Yeah. Achieve. Yeah. Placing in your first comp is a phenomenal effort. Yeah. Winning in your first comp means that you're likely genetically gifted. Yeah. Um, and then if, if shit, if you can manage to turn pro in your first show, you're a freak. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> that was never a thing. This is a new thing. This mm. drive to want to turn pro. Like, even if somebody has a huge weight loss goal, let's say 30 kilos, you don't want to be focusing on when am I going to lose the 30? You want to break that goal down and make it manageable. So definitely, you know, focus on winning that category and then move up from there. Exactly yeah. right. Obviously, more more federations available to people now to potentially win and turn pro in, and it has become a bit of the sort of the in thing to do because people associate pro with status. Uh, mm. But I would say that it means sweet fuck all in regards to nothing to be successful within the industry in which we both work in. So it also yeah. means that you can no longer compete in the amateur yeah. shows anymore. Um, mm. which is disappointing for a lot of people who want to compete with their friends mm. who are bodybuilders or bikini girls or whatever. So it means you can only compete yeah. with pro shows now. Absolutely. Which now there is one in Australia for the WBFF. There never used to be. Um, last year was the first year that we actually had a pro show here. So prior to that, if you wanted to compete, you had to go overseas to do that. And that, you know, competing is possibly one of the most expensive hobbies you could do. Aside from scuba diving, that's probably the second most expensive hobby you could uh, do. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, you have to travel. You have to go overseas to compete as a pro. But um, we're fortunate now that you can do that in Australia. But again, it's only once a year as opposed to the three shows that they do for amateurs. Yeah. Do you want to, for anyone thinking about competing or wanting to turn pro, do you want to take us through the um, costs and rewards? So all the costs associated with getting on stage and what that reward is for you. Is it financially viable? WBFF specific, obviously, in this one. Yeah, let's go to yeah, dance yeah. force and something bodybuilding, fashion, and fitness. What's the W? World. World. World beauty. World. Okay. Right, yeah. right, right. Okay. So fashion um, and fitness, which adds another element to cost as well. Absolutely. So there, it's a big spectacular weekend event. So there's registration, um, which can be around about five hundred dollars. You wanted to do an additional category. I think that's like another hundred and. 50 us maybe hair and makeup 220 tan 160 your bikini can range from 400 to a thousand plus which by the way you'll probably wear once and never wear again um bikini category has a evening wear round so you need to either buy or rent um, a beautiful dress fitness has a theme wear round so you need to buy or rent theme wear think you know victoria secret wings uh -huh. or you know yeah. what's that Butterfly wings. Oh, a butterfly. I, yeah, yeah. I got five dollar butterflies from Kmart. You can borrow those if you want. I, I should do that for my ocean, though. Yeah, yeah. I wore them to a music festival, and I'll lend them to you. I don't mind. So there's all that. To, yeah. All that to consider. Um, the pre the pre show registration. You've got to wear a dress and get your hair and makeup done for all that sort of stuff. If you want to do any photo shoots around that time, you've got to take into account those costs. Generally speaking, for about a 20-week prep, taking into account all of that stuff, I would probably budget about $5,000. There's also the coaching fees leading into the show if you have a coach. Flights and yep. accommodation to get there. Mm -hmm. That would be on top of that as well, yeah. So I, that 5000 I would say, would probably um, include your coaching. Okay. Um, but yeah, additional travel, you know, a week in the Gold Coast if you're doing the show in the Gold Coast or if you're flying to Sydney for that one. Um, yeah, you've got to take all that into account as well. Flights, accommodation. Yeah, yeah. It, it gets up there. I think it's In terms of 
Go on. And the reward. No, I was, was going to say the biggest thing that people do forget here is that you have limited opportunity to compete as a pro and mm. also have to be prepared to lose way more. Mm. Because like, it's not like, you know, like you could be genetically gifted or have spent years and years competing. And now you're at a, an advanced level physique because of effort and, and, yeah. but most of the people that compete aren't. So, you know, you've worked yourself into literally the pro physique that you're talking about, which is fucking awesome. You win, you get rewarded justly. Now you're up against other people that have been doing that for the same amount of time, potentially genetically more gifted. And as a mm. pro, the likelihood of you winning is slim. Mm. Yep. Because now you're up against freaks as well. Like everyone's a freak. So Now what's the reward for Absolutely. an amateur winning versus a professional winning? Oh, uh, well, there's no monetary reward for an amateur. Um, if you win, you don't necessarily turn pro. Uh, that's, that's something I experienced. Um, you just get, I guess, the gratification knowing that you competed and you did as well as you wanted to. You placed, you came first, you came third, fifth, whatever it is. There's no monetary reward in terms of that. However, there may be the opportunity there for, um, you know, sponsorship deals or ambassador roles within um, other brands in the fitness industry, supplement companies, um, activewear brands. Um, possibility for then magazine shoots, deals, covers, etc. There are opportunities available, um, but again, it's not for everyone. It comes down to a lot of factors. You know, marketability, beauty is your face. Something that can be put on a magazine cover. You know, not all of us can do that. I definitely can't. Which I um, recently wrote for a magazine. Yeah, and I I purchased the magazine to you know see my article and picture in it. And for those watching on YouTube, this is the magazine. I opened up the first page and who do I see but hey. Miss Ella Martin herself. So for I the didn't know that was going in there. <laughs> I saw it. I was like, oh my God, I know her. Um, and I sent, I sent you a little video of me like, oh, look. So for those of you wanting to see Ella, this is the Strong Fit Magazine Australia. You have to get um, in quickly though because I believe they'll be bringing out a new one. So new editions. Of yeah, new release. Not until next year though. Oh, okay, so cool. still another few weeks. Mm. So she's famous. Yes. <laughs> famous. You know how many people sent me um, DMs and messages about that? And I was like, what magazine is this? Because they didn't send me the cover. You were the only one to send me a picture of the cover. I just got like the insert and I was like, where is this? <laughs> I had somebody I knew from, from back home in Jersey who's actually um, out on the outskirts of Australia. He's like, you know, we've only got, I think it was um, Men's Health magazine, maybe that was in that one. He's like, we've only got one Men's Health on the rig. You're famous around all these guys. And I was like, I don't really know how I'm going to take that, how I feel about that. <laughs> so are able to use your image without your permission? Well, not the company. Oh. It's for one of her. I know. It was for yeah. um, Bulk Nutrients that sponsors yeah. me. But. Yeah. So I'm an ambassador for that company and they've got a, a library of my um, photos. I've given them permission to use for whatever things that they have coming up. I just didn't know that was happening. I didn't know I was going to be in an advert for the company in a magazine or a few different magazines. So it was, um, yeah, it was a nice, pleasant surprise. Um, but that would be some of the other things that you could potentially, um, you know, be a part of if you win. Well, actually I was a part of Bolt Nutrients before I, I turned pro as well. So yeah, there's opportunities there. Do you, uh, is there monetary incentive in the pro league? Uh, there is, yes, um, but not for every pro show around the world. Actually, I think, um, I think Worlds is only like, if you win at Worlds, I'm sure it's only like small amount, like maybe five or three thousand dollars if you win. This is like the World Championships. Um, but in Australia, Ari, um, the promoter, has actually put up a twenty-five thousand dollar prize pool to go between all the pro categories. So um, I believe uh, I think it's the winners of all categories win. I don't know if second and third take out anything, but definitely the winners of um, the pro shows in Australia do take home something, which is actually quite nice because, as I said, it's really expensive to compete. You'll, you'll probably just get back a little bit of what you spent um, to actually get on stage. And it's actually more expensive to register as a pro. What an oh, incentive. Really? Yeah. It'd be pretty similar, <laughs> even in the IFBB, like they're not making money unless they're winning big shows. And then even if they're winning big shows, unless you're the top guy so the yeah. man that wins they're the only ones that get paid accordingly like if yeah. so like in, in rfpv for people that aren't familiar with it you have the open men's bodybuilding which is non-weight restrictive anyone can win and then you have a weight restrictive category for men called the 212 stands for 212 pounds i think they win 
35 or 50,000 for me. And then the men's open is 500. <laughs> what? So, How does that even work? <laughs> varies between like what they consider to be, because it's the original Mr. Olympia. Uh, it's right. just, that's all there is, you know? And then everybody else is in below that, like 20 and 30. I think maybe men's physique might win more because they bring so much money in, but um, right. there's actually a new competition coming out soon. I can't think of the name, which is fine because I'm not even promoting, but The Rock actually runs it and he's given away a million. Whoa. Um, so there's this, there's this uh, <laughs> rumors going around basically that most people think that they will boycott typical IFB shows and try and do this one monster show and it'll be invite only and they'll just get all of the biggest names because they'll bring the most money and then he's going to get yeah. prize pool. Cause, Hollywood! Because bodybuilding as a whole is like not really a true like big money earner for anyone. Mm, so. No. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. So 2020, I think early, early 2020 that's going to happen. Wow. Which is pretty cool. Well, there you go. That's... The Rock's coming in and just bossing it. He was involved with the UFC the other day too. He gave away a belt, belt called the Baddest Motherfucker Belt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, Jorge Masvidal won that. Like, he's actually man. That dude is just killing the world. All right. He's also Liz's hall pass for those playing at home. <laughs> yeah, I. It's unfortunate. One, one of one of them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, and but all of them are at least above a hundred kilos because girls are like, oh, Brad Pitt, or I don't fucking know. Was that back in the Notebook? Uh, I don't know. Whatever that guy. The girls are like, oh, he's so dreamy but they're definitely not my type of men. Um, yeah. so I don't have a lot to look at when, got, got hubby sitting right here. <laughs> I don't have a lot to look at when I'm watching movies and stuff. So, you know, I've really got to treat myself to it's the true, body like Phil Heath in The Rock. Like, oh, so. Phil Heath. Oh, stop. <laughs> is it hot in here or is it just me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Um, this is going to make it look like I'm trying to change the subject. And I'm, I'm not. I don't He's know. totally trying to do that. <laughs> I would... Happily hold Phil Heath's pocket for Gosling. Uh, <laughs> if anybody doesn't know what that is, look that up. <laughs> See this? If you're uh, if you're somebody's bitch, quote unquote, in uh, prison, there's this sort of universal thing that I, I think I'm aware of uh, is you hold their pocket. You know, like you turn your pockets out, so that you turn them inside out, so your pocket from the inside is hanging outside your pants. And if you're the, if oh you're the, my god, little, little lady friend. <laughs> You hold his pocket to show everybody that you're that you're property of the big guy. So you would hold Phil's pocket. Yeah, he's right off. He does go alright. Right. Um, on a more serious note, Ella, <laughs> how's about uh, any final words for people looking to compete? What do you think they need to know or be mindful of? Um, and what do you think uh, people don't probably give it the due, due diligence thinking about? I think people need to really do their homework in regards to the coach they want to work with. Make sure that you've got a good relationship with that person. I just had a call this morning with, with a girl that pulled out from a show five weeks before competing because she was in a really bad way because of the coach she had. So I think it's really important that you do your homework, make sure that you've got a coach that aligns with you, that's got a solid process and system in place. That's not just trying to wing it. Um, have a really pretty solid why because competing is very challenging. And there'll be times where you're really fucking tired and hungry and you'll be questioning yourself why you're doing this every day. Um, so make sure there's a solid why there that's going to pull you out of that dark hole. Um, and yeah, probably just uh, the cost side of things. Make sure you, you know what's ahead of you, budget for that um, and be mindful of that, I think. Yeah. yeah, awesome. They're awesome tips. They are awesome tips. Too many people actually come into it not financially aware of how much it's going to put a strain on them and it should never be a strain. It should always be fun money as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And also yeah. maybe not aware of how much it's going to impact their close relationships. Yeah. So yeah. And that, yeah. be on board. Yeah. Agreed. That was probably one of my other tips or one of my other points as well, is that people don't really realize how selfish you have to be. You know, you can't go to every social occasion. You have to say no every now and then you're going to have to say no because you just can't do it. Yeah. And you will not be as fun as you are now. Yeah, exactly so I, right. I don't know how you and Josh's relationship changed through your preps, but I've been with Dean nearly six years now and he's done two preps since we've been together and man, it impacted our relationship quite a lot, especially the first prep. Um, I'm not sure what the variances were between the first and second, but God, I feel like our relationship took a while to recover from that. So partners need to, to be aware that the prep, like it, it feels like both of us were going through the prep 
And that yeah. was really hard for me because I... The, you don't get the reward. It wasn't my goal. Mm. I didn't yeah. want to do it. I wasn't getting on stage, but I had to... Man, I, I was still restricted on like the things we could do and the times we could do it. And Dean was awesome, but there's a level of grumpiness that comes with that. And he wasn't funny anymore. He didn't hold my hand. Like it just, <laughs> just wasn't the same, it's, you know. So it's too big holding his pockets and bananas. Too big, exactly. <laughs> so I think partners need to know what's coming as well. That's yeah, the responsibility great. of the prepper to mm. openly communicate that at the start of the prep. Yeah, yeah, it, it hurts. There's no way around it. Like, if you want to have a world class physique, whether you are as an amateur or a pro, there is gonna be a point where you step on, you step out of bed one morning and go, "Oh fuck, this hurts." Like, yeah. And like Ella said, you're gonna ask yourself, "Why the hell?" And if you have enough sort of self hatred to get through it, that's possible. But it shouldn't be done through that. It should be done just through through the the sort of your strong why. Yeah, strong why is exactly that. So it's a, that's a really really awesome piece of advice. Yeah. Well, thank you for all of that, Ella. I'm sure that was very helpful for those listening. Yes. Thank you. Which means it's time to move on to the fun rounds. What's that? <laughs> no, Ella, we, 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 just, like, we like to give a bit of value back to people listening. So um, obviously we've given them a lot of value and uh, potential practical application with, with uh, the contest prep stuff. But have you watched, listened, or heard anything of recent you think is worth sharing for the people at home? Can I do a little cheeky flex plug then? Yeah, we'd sure. love you to. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, you guys, your new ebook that you you had me sort of have a little proofread before you officially sent that out and got it out for paid uh, uh, paid product. Yeah, paid readers, and it was amazing. And um, I've literally sent it to all of my clients and told them to to purchase this. And some of the feedback I had was, "What what what's life after dieting? Is there actually ever a point when you're not dieting?" And I was like, "Yep, you need this book." Oh my God. Well, thank um, you. We really appreciate yes. that. <laughs> it was a hole in the market. Uh, we figured everyone's talking about weight loss. Mm. No one's talking about what to do when you've achieved it. Mm. So absolutely, it's great. Cool. Really you guys cool. have killed it. <laughs> um, less of a serious one. Is there any funny gym stories? Or I'm going to flip it. Maybe now, if you don't have a gym story, funny backstage moments at a contest that you potentially or embarrassing. I can't think of anything funny back. Do you know what's funny? I don't know if it's the same for guys when they compete, but all of a sudden when you get a really dark spray tan, you have like, you have no, you know, you don't second guess just getting nude in front of everybody. You're just happy to walk around in the nud with a dark spray tan. Cause it's like another layer of skin or like clothing. <laughs> I don't know. It's just something about spray tan and competitions that you really like do not mind just getting nude in front of anybody windows, That's you know, fun. You're just like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> or you're just like, God damn, I look good. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah the maybe is that. <laughs> I'm going to say no, because most of the time at IFB, at least at IPB, they tend to have men and women together and the women always get sprayed within a booth. So like they, they probably have the tops off. I wouldn't know. I don't do the like sit on the chair creep up and have a look. <laughs> but as a dude, we're very, we very much have outward objects. Yes, you do have outward objects. So walking objects. around in the nut, I don't think a tan's going to hide that. Yeah, because um, for women, it's an inward thing. Yeah. So I guess you're not really see, seeing it all yet. Well, not a lot. Oh, I was going to say, and when you're sexual. that lean, you don't have boobs. But most fitness people no. have big, fake bolt-ons. Mm. Um, so they do, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's not as naked at the back of an IFBB show, I don't think. But I can appreciate that people do that. Yeah. I think uh, if uh, they women is they'd probably be uh, maybe ridiculed, potentially handcuffed. If they did that in the past. <laughs> yeah, men and women are separate um, for the WBFF. We get, we get tanned now in separate rooms and, you know, you've got your tanning booth or whatever, but there's just a line of girls that are just like, all right, nigga, just waiting to get in the booth. And then backstage, you know, you're just like, yeah, <laughs> all these windows. <laughs> Don't mind walking around in the nudge. <laughs> Dean got spray tanned for his last comp um, by a girl. Yeah. And... I think a lot of the guys are just like, here's my dick. Like, don't get the spray tan on it. But Dean was a gentleman and he shoved his junk into a sock mm. um, while Aww. she spray tanned him. Isn't that sweet? Well, no, she gave G-strings, right? But they were like oh. definitely made for women because there's no yeah, elastic. I was say, there's no way that's going on you. <laughs> elastic. So again, like it's an outward thing. It just pushes it no point. So I was with me just in case. I don't know what the situation was. It was this little tiny ankle sock. It was one of Rupert's. <laughs> it was a dog sock. It was a dog sock. So, uh, <laughs> 
Oh, um, my God. Yeah, and then I also had a client who, Sean, who won't mind, he does some uh, male entertainment for fun at night time for hen's parties and stuff. So you can imagine what he's like. But he does his check with a Cooper hat on and budgie smugglers. Like, Sean is a funny dude. And he was like, he walked in and actually the first time I ever met his Mrs. Grace was I was in Melbourne and getting spray tan on a balcony like this. I turn around, I'm like, Sean, oh, hi, Grace, nice to meet you. So, like, I meet her and I'm just like this, just standing there in a concert. And he's just like, do you mind if I just walk around naked? Like, can I just get, because he's just like, whatever. And she's like, I'd prefer you don't get your dick out. Like, if you could just keep going on, that would be great. He was getting tanned too, right? Yeah, he was getting okay, tanned. That's well. less weird. Yeah, he didn't just come to say hello to me while I, I thought that yeah. he was getting tanned. He was there as a normal, like, civilian. No. Can I get naked? No, Sean's no. just, like, rocking around just like this, you know, like helicopter, windmill, you know. Sean's <laughs> I love it. I tell you what, though, there's something about the women and, and guys, I guess, that, that can tan you while you're butt naked and hold a conversation, but like, yeah. and look you in the eye as well and just carry on. There's something about those people, like, I don't know. Like when you're getting a Brazilian wax? Well, yeah, as well. And you're just like, or like if you go see the gyno and you're just like looking at the ceiling. Uh, like, like, <laughs> you know? you know the yeah. funny story that Rihanna gave once? No. So Rihanna? Rihanna, not Rihanna. Rihanna, the singer. The yeah. Barbados, she uh -huh. she's, from Barbados. she's like on a radio station. She's saying, oh, whenever I go and get a Brazilian, I always ask for an old woman who's Russian. Like I want an old woman and I want a Russian woman because if she's old, she probably doesn't know who I am. And if she's Russian, she doesn't speak English. Like that's the perfect kind of person that's going to be down there doing my things as a famous person. <laughs> and then she said, oh, I requested it. And I went into this one lady and they gave me this young girl. And I was like, fuck, here we go. Like, now I am like famous Rihanna getting a Brazilian done. And she said, and I shit you not, not only did she recognize me, but she waited until she started waxing me. And while she's down there with a head between my legs, she's like, I know you. And she was like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's so Oh my God. <laughs> Rihanna, <laughs> if you're listening, get laser, honey. It's much easier. <laughs> yeah, way better. Um, now, moving right. on. From Final three questions. Yes. <laughs> if you... <laughs> Solve any mystery, economic, social, mathematical, spiritual, doesn't matter. What would that mystery be? Oh, oh. I don't know. Can you, can you, can you see there's a theme here? Like, I really struggle to think about things. <laughs> <laughs> it could be conspiracy. What? It could be why the fires are happening. It could be, uh, that's it's, pretty boring. That is pretty boring. I actually asked Josh this morning as we were walking to get our coffee and Josh is a firefighter. I was like, how do you just, how do you put these bushfires out then? He's like, it's not as easy as people think. You don't just go and spray water on these fires. People just think you spray water on the fire and then you put it out. He's That's like, you can't put them out. You actually can't put them out. You have to like stop their path. I was like, oh, you should actually go on your Instagram and say that because I'm a hundred percent sure 99% of the population thinks you just put water on the fire and you put it out. But Why don't you have a hose if that's not what you're doing? <laughs> you can put you're fire you're containing it. <laughs> oh. Right, so they perimeter it. Well, I'm part of the 99% of the population. That's what I think. I was there too. I was like, and, oh, okay. Fires can jump rivers and shit, man. Yeah, I don't know. So they must have to contain it like badasses. That's pretty cool. Can't you put sand in it or something? <laughs> Shall we ask the fiery? We'll get him over. <laughs> <laughs> so not a mystery solver, but at least a good piece of it. That is a good piece of it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, next question is, if you were arrested without anybody knowing why, what do you think your family and friends would think you did? Oh. I don't know. That's another good one. What did I... Can I ask one? Can I ask him? Yeah, yeah. you can ask Josh. Hey Josh, if I was to get arrested, what do you think I would have been arrested for? First thing that comes into your your head. Lighting fires. <laughs> Lighting fires. Uh... <laughs> Ella, don't rush because we can we can edit the pause out easily. Yeah. Yeah. So take your time. You? Okay, good. Yeah, speeding. I'd say probably like I don't know. Oh my god! Offense. Everyone said that. You're like the third or fourth person in a row. Oh really? Yeah, I can't, I, I'm, I'm a good girl. I don't do anything naughty. I'm, yeah, I'm clever at the gym. I don't, I don't faux pas at the gym. I don't like actually. do stupid shit. <laughs> girl's got her shit together. <laughs> Sometimes. Final <laughs> question. Oh, so Ella's answer. Oh, yeah. 
because we're editing, we're editing this out. Oh, he reckons I'd get, I'd probably get arrested for assault, but just wait a second. Protecting. Can you start? Can you put your earphone back in with your mic not in your hand, and then you can start again? Sorry, sorry, we can. He says right, I would ask the question again too. Yeah, we'll start okay. again with the question. All right, Alice. So the question is. If you were to be arrested without anybody knowing the why, what do you think your family and friends would do? Would believe it is? Probably assault, but for a good reason. <laughs> for, a good, for a good reason. What would that I, mean? <laughs> I've assaulted somebody that's actually assaulting their dogs. So it's, it's out oh, of like... Fuck those motherfuckers. Yeah, exactly. See? Well, this I would come and bail you out. She said it then yeah. did. Well, I haven't hit anyone, no, but like we've, we've been driving along and we've seen someone like, you know, kick their dog and we've been like, <laughs> we can't pull over. Mm. Oh, right. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I'm all for that. I, I back you on that assault. Yeah. Bash them. Totally. Now, Ella, where can we'll got my back. find yeah, you? We've got one more question. Oh, do we? What's we have question? a would you rather. We have always finished on a uh, would you rather. Yes, we do have a would you rather. My bad. So I'm going to force you into an answer now. Would you rather okay. look like Yoda? Or breathe like Darth Vader. Breathe like Darth Vader, because I kind of already do already. <laughs> <laughs> One more week. <laughs> Could you imagine how annoying that would be on a podcast to listen to your Darth Vader breathing? So you're getting your fix next week, did you say? Yeah, next next Wednesday I'm having the operation, so I should be able to um, stop snoring and and hopefully keep my relationship. <laughs> it's so good. So worth it. Enjoy those black eyes. Oh, fingers crossed it works. Who knows? I didn't get black eyes. So is it just a functional rhinoplasty? Is that what it's called? Um, I think yours was a turbinoplasty and a septoplasty, not a rhino. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. That sounds. Yeah. So even Dean knows what I'm having. So she's, getting, she's getting the center of the nose to fix uh -huh. and then the, yeah. the holes drilled out. Yeah. Whereas I got the rhino as well because the bridge of my nose was bent sideways like a banana. Again, bananas keep coming up. <laughs> <laughs> as much as they possibly could is making me look a little bit... Like yeah, I appreciate the less snoring at night time and reduction in constant sniffling. Now, thank you for your time, Ella. I do think that it would have added value to listeners who are thinking about competing um, or have in the past. Mm. Where could people find you if they want to look you up? Cool. They can find me on Instagram at Ella Martin. That's M-A-R-T-Y-N. Um, my website, which is easy, um, ellamartin.com. Um, oh, and you can find me on Facebook as well at Ella Martin Fitness. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. And until next time, Arrivederci. <laughs> See ya.